This is Negotiate X Podcast, show number 65, part B. You're listening to Negotiate X Radio, helping you elevate your influence through purposeful negotiations. If you're here looking to learn about how to become a better negotiator in both business and life, then you're in the right place. Stay tuned and be sure to join the others who have benefited from NegotiateX.com, your home for negotiations training and consulting online. Hey, everyone. Thanks for joining us on the NegotiateX podcast. We are continuing our conversation with Nicole Posner, a communication and conflict expert. If you haven't already checked out part A of the show, be sure to do that first. Let's jump into the conversation with Nicole. In your book, you talk about three different archetypes that influence leadership communication, people pleasers, warriors, and freshers. Could you say a little bit about what each of these are and how they show up in our conversations? And going back to this idea of awareness and self-reflection, why self-reflection on our prevalent archetype may be a useful practice? Absolutely. So first of all, I'd just like to sort of add to, to that that I think there's a little bit of each archetype in all of us, and it depends on the situation that that we find ourselves in. So, you know, I am a fully fledged people pleaser, you know, hand up, but I can also be a warrior and not so much fresher. But anyway, uh, I am a people pleaser. And there are many situations where that does not serve me well. You know, I, I don't like saying no. Um, sometimes I don't have boundaries. Sometimes I don't, you know, I accept work when I know I really shouldn't because I don't want to upset somebody. And if you're in a, a leadership role, the consequences of that are, you know, far more uh, impactful than they for me because they impact a team, for example. So a people pleaser, let's say, would have difficulty saying, you know, to a team member, no, you can't take tomorrow afternoon off. And if they're always used to hearing yes from their boss, that's going to come as, you know, quite a shock. What do you mean I can't, I can't take tomorrow off? And not having boundaries, for example, a people pleaser doesn't know, you know, doesn't like boundaries in friendship. They want everyone to like them. So, you know, they're, they're friendly, too friendly. They might go out for drink after work, for example, but they've crossed a line. So people think that they're a mate and not, you know, not the relationships change, the expectation of it. Right. So when suddenly you need to put your foot down and, and you know, be a boss, they're like, whoa, what's changed in our relationship? Well, nothing's changed. I'm just being a boss, you know. So that that's a people pleaser. You know, I've done loads of mediations over the years where which have been because a manager has been a people pleaser and they haven't been able to be honest. So they end up, you know, getting themselves into a lot of hot water and they can't manage strong personalities. But you know, the, the, an example of this was a, a mediation I did a few years ago where there was um, a manager who had to manage one employee um, who had a very difficult communication style. She, you know, she, she was quite abrupt and quite blunt in how she said things. 
which caused conflict with an, another colleague, in fact, her own manager. So the, uh, the boss, if you like, who was the people pleaser, had to t- step in and manage her in the interim. And, mm. you know, she was, nev- she was never honest. She never said, you know, you need to be careful how you say that or this is how you've been experienced. Anyway, in the mediation, it came up. She, she was very blunt in the mediation and the manager who I was managing her initially said, well, you see, that's why um, Sally hates managing you because of the way you are. And suddenly this whole thing erupted because Sally had never been honest with, I can't remember her name now. And, you know, that, that suddenly opened a can of worms because she couldn't actually sit there and say, you know, couldn't be direct and honest. So that, that's, you know, a few issues that come up with people pleasers, you know, they, and also they're sort of afraid to speak up and, and say, you know, say what they think in meetings. So people never actually take them seriously or never give them an opportunity because they, they never show their true colors. So that's a people pleaser. Then we have the freshers. Yeah. The freshers are the new managers who are often promoted into a new role without the training and that you know in itself creates problems or even as i said before a business owner who's never managed people before you know they're inexperienced they're unsure of themselves they've been very good at the job they were in before but people management is a new role so you know they don't they don't know I know another role that that you talk about is the untested assumptions and competing expectations and how this has a conflict within teams. Um, I was hoping yeah. you could also share an example about that and how that may have contributed to unnecessary conflict and what might have been able to go differently to handle that uh, situation better. With assumptions, managing assumptions, yeah. yeah. There is a, an expression, which I, again, I'll, I'll try to say it delicately. <laughs> uh, assumptions are the mother of all, bleep bleep. And, <laughs> you know, we... Assumptions are very dangerous. You know, we have in a meeting, for example, an untested assumption will be a couple of, in a conversation, you'll be talking about one point on an agenda and suddenly uh, something else comes into the conversation and you've never finished discussing the previous point and suddenly the conversation moves on and you were talking about speaking to a client, following up with a client about something. Anyway, a week or two goes by and your colleague says to you, did you speak to the client about that? And they're like, no, I thought you were. And they were like, no, you said you were. But the point was, there was no, you know, there was an assumption because nobody actually confirmed that in fact, who would take responsibility for it. So that's an, an obvious one. Then there is, you know, that's sort of, I thought you were doing it. That's, it. that's the, the one we just said. But so let's say you're doing a feedback or performance conversation and yeah. you finish the meeting and you say, is everyone understood? And they'll go, yeah, 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 you're all fine. Um, and then you go away and they clearly haven't understood. So what I always say to, to leaders or bosses is, well, instead of asking them if they've understood, you actually ask them what they've understood so that that clarifies Mm. that uh, missed assumption, you know, that they have all understood to kind of replay back or reframe back exactly what 
what they've understood. So it's about clarifying at the end of the day. I like that. So in, in Nolan and I would say from our military time, right, it wasn't just do understand the direction, right? Actually having them brief back to you what you've understood, exactly. what they've understood. Exactly. Yeah. Really powerful. Part two of your book is about, you call it the cure. Mm-hmm. And you say it starts with us. And you've, you've alluded to this, some of this already, but when you say it starts with us, you're talking about our mindset, our responses, our preparation. So what can we do both emotionally and physically to set ourselves up better to manage these difficult conversations? Okay, well, I, I have a, a little acronym. I, I like acronyms. And I talk about you. You're in, good, you're in good company, Nicole. So does Aaron do. and I. <laughs> oh, great. Acronym, team acronym, yeah. Um, I, th- I, th- I think they're great ways to, to remember things. So I talk about using a map, which, you know, gives you direction. But also a map is an acronym for manage your mindset, know what you want to achieve and plan and prepare. So when you think about a difficult conversation, the most important thing I think is actually how you, what you think about it, your mind, how, how, how you launch into it, how you approach it. But if your mindset is this is going to be a difficult conversation, the chances are it probably will be. And there's a, a great quote by um, Henry Ford, if you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. Um, and this is, you know, your mindset is if I think I can't do it, I probably won't be able to do it. So managing how you think about the conversation beforehand is, is very critical. Then know what you want to achieve. You've always got to have a goal. You've got to know what do you want from this? Do you want an apology? Do you want understanding? Do you want change? Do you want, I don't know, whatever we want from the conversation, but you've got to, you've got to know what, what, what it is you're aiming yeah. for and then plan, prepare. And that sounds really obvious, but at, you'd be surprised how many people don't. They just launch in and that's when right. conversations go off track and they escalate and conflict happens. So yeah, knowing but preparing well is important. And I find it interesting given how you defined difficult conversations as talking about things that matter, things that are important to us, right? That, that there's this tendency not to manage our mindset or not be clear on what we're trying to achieve, or even like even more surprising to not prepare, to not plan for how, how you're going to have this discussion. Absolutely. Yeah. But again, it's when we're in that, that fear place or that place of discomfort, we don't want to have to think about those things. We just want to, you know, either we retreat or we go, we go for it. You know, it's, it's one or the other. And, and sometimes we don't have that, that pause to think, you know, I need, I need to do how, how best am I going to achieve what I want? You know, a difficult conversation is like anything in life that, that is difficult, mm-hmm. you know, going into a, a board meeting or any, any conversation, any situation, you'd never walk in there unprepared or a new client meeting. Right. You wouldn't go in there unprepared. You, you would know what you were going in there to say. And it's the right. same concept. You know, it's, it's, we call it a difficult conversation, but it is something you need to think about, prepare yourself for and, and prepare for. And there, there are lots of ways to do it. You know, managing your mindset. A lot of people ask me, well, how do I do that? What does that even 
you know, how, how do you manage your mindset? How do you get into that zone? Um, and I often talk about, you know, anything, anything that will shift how you're thinking into a positive space. So go for a walk around the block, you know, listen to a great podcast, um, you know, listen to some great music. I know one client who actually used to get on his Harley Davidson and sort of ride down the open road, you know, with the wind in his hair, um, just to clear your head and get your, your mind shifting. But a trick that I always suggest, which I think is, <clears throat> excuse me, really helpful, excuse me, is to have six uh, tracks of music that you have to hand that you save on your, your phone or wherever you want. Three that can help calm you down so that when you're feeling you know, quite anxious or angry, they'll, they'll bring you down and you can always access. And the same is you know, if you um, are feeling a bit nervous and you need to build up your confidence, so three tracks that really like, yes, I feel good about life. Um, and you can always access them just before that conversation or that meeting. That's a really, really good trick, actually, just to have you know, easy to get to tap into. Can we ask what's on your tracks? Yeah. What your tracks are? So calming ones are um, Fleetwood Mac. There's a song called, I, and I don't know why I ever chose these tracks, actually. So um, one of mine is um, called Sarah Fleetwood Mac. The other one is, um, it's actually an Italian song, and I can't remember the name of it, but it was actually a song that was actually played by, there were four Italian singers, but it's the song called, I think it's called Somewhere. I think that's what it's called. And then there was, uh, I can't remember the last one. So there, there's three for that. And then there's for my up, uplifting ones, it's um, This Is Me, then which was from the soundtrack of The Greatest Showman. The other one is, um, I can't actually remember them. There's one more, which was, I'll come back to you on them, but I can't, I've, I've got okay. them on my list. But. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's great. I love that. Love that. You also have this beautiful quote that says, honesty, courage, and authenticity are a pipeline for a connection rather than a barrier to communication. And you use that to introduce what you consider to be the key ingredients for successful leadership communication. Your full first tool is curiosity. So I was hoping you could share this great acronym and framework around getting curious and why it's so critical. Curiosity is one of my favorite tools um, in a number of situations. And it, it can be used in so many different ways. So for example, if you want investment into an idea and you want to commit, you know, uh, people to sign up to, you know, a new way of thinking, um, if you ask them to give their opinion or input into something rather than tell them this is what's happening, they feel more committed to the process. So being curious has, has many um, helpful uh, uses. But the way I actually use curiosity is, and the acronym is, first of all, the C equals clarify, the U is understand, the R is reframe, the I is investigate, the O is observe, and the U unearth and S support. So they each have a different a different use. So clarify, um, as we talked about before, as you know, assumptions. We all know how how difficult they can make a situation. 
So never um, assume anything, but always clarify points and make sure that, you know, responsibilities, actions and timelines are, are clear. Understanding. Now, a mistake that, say, freshers make is they'll go into fix something quickly without actually understanding all the facts. So they'll deal with an outcome of the situation. You know, they'll deal with a mistake. They'll, they'll deal with errors or unmet targets, but they won't actually deal with, you know, the source of the problem. So understand it. Don't go to fix and solve. Go to understanding. Reframe. So if a you know, team member says, you know, I can't do this, so you could change that to, well, I can't do this yet. You know, help them reframe how they think about that. The I is investigate. So don't take things at face value. You know, if two people come to you with a complaint, you know, make sure you really, you know, you investigate it properly so that you, you know, you don't jump to make a judgment call. You actually, you know, make sure that you, you completely get where they're at. There's this, again, that, you know, if you're fresher, you just want to impress your boss and you want a quick fix. So make sure you investigate properly. Um, the O is observe. You know, what, what am I observing here? Um, look at body language. Look at how people are behaving in a certain situation. You know, don't just listen to what comes out their mouth. Then the sort of U is unearth, you know, what, what's driving this this behavior? What's driving this attitude? What What's actually you know, underneath, unearth it, dig it, dig it up. Because again, often we just look at what we're presented with. So we need to to dig down. And then the S is support. When you have all this information, how can I support you further? You know, Nicole, um, difficult conversations clearly extract a toll on relationship. How do you advise leaders to more effectively nurture and build relationships with others before conflict arises? Uh, and, and you talk a little bit about communicate or sorry about listening as well. And I'm just wondering if listening is part of that kind of list of things that you advise. But what's your advice when it comes to kind of being aware of the relationship component and the toll it can take? Yeah, I mean, relationship building is so important. And um, I think it's something that a lot of leaders miss, if I'm honest with you. And this can be, okay, I'll, I'll rewind that. When you build relationships, it can when you need to then manage conflict or a difficult conversation people know that you're coming from a place of integrity and good intention rather than you know just just as a you know i'm a boss and i'm coming in to you know tell you off so there are ways to build connection and relationships getting to know people finding out what their interests hobbies are because that mutual connection, mutual interest triggers sparks a connection with people. Um, and that's where, you know, building, building those relationships helps to, to support times when tricky times that you have to have those difficult conversations. And it's like a situation, you know, if you have, you take a piece of advice, you ask, you have a situation where two people give you the same piece of advice. One is from someone you know well, and one is from someone you don't particularly like or respect. You're going to listen to the advice from the person that you actually know well, because they know that you're right. coming from a place of, of well-meaning and good intent. And I think that, you know, kind of elaborating on this is like so much of this is around the process by which we as leaders manage conversations, be they with 
internal teammates or external clients. So, I mean, what do you see as the key traits leaders display in these conversations? I have another acronym, which I talk about communicating with heart. So humility, empathy, authenticity, respect, and transparency. And I think that each trait brings something important to a a communication, you know, humility, taking responsibility, taking ownership when things go wrong, empathy. Empathy is one of my really important key, key traits as well, I think, in leadership. You know, that connection of I get it, I understand where you're at with this, you know, how can I support you? Um, authenticity you know people see through smoke mirrors they can see when your communication is off and you know they they know when something isn't quite right and off kilter so you know show up warts and all who you really are there's nothing wrong with you know showing who you really are it actually creates connection Um, respect no conversation should ever take place without mutual respect and transparency, you know, people want to know, people want to, you know, to see it, to, to know information, particularly like during the pandemic, people wanted to know what was going on. You know, they wanted you to be honest and to share, you know, if the business was in trouble, let's, let's hear it and hear the truth about it and deal with that afterwards. But, you know, when people don't get transparency, they, that creates mistrust and that's when they start, you know, wondering what else they're not being truthful about. At the heart of your acronym just now, and the one you said was most important, that was my little play on words, by the way. <laughs> I didn't get the I didn't get the laughter I didn't get the laughter response out of time. Again, was is empathy. Yeah. Do you ever hear from somebody, I don't feel like I'm a very empathetic person? Can we build our empathy? Or is empathy something I either have or don't have when it comes to you know, human connection, particularly in difficult conversations? I mean, I think I something some people naturally have empathy. EQ. I think some people have it. Can you teach it? Can you learn it? I think if, you know, if you're quite an intuitive and open, open person, uh, you know, you can. Um, but some people definitely have it as, as a natural, I say gift, but a natural attribute is probably a better way of, of using it. Intuition as well, I think. You work all over the globe. Do you have any advice around when there's language differences or cultural differences that exist in trying to manage these different conversations? And maybe it's because we are from different countries or regions. Maybe it's just for different companies or even different business units uh, within the same company. How do we practice these concepts in those instances? Well, I think, again, it comes back to awareness, you know, different how and also the experience of how is this being received by Let's let's take cultural differences as an example. You know, so much is lost in translation. You know, the way something is is, is said in, in one culture is completely misinterpreted in another. So, you know, that that's quite a good example. And and certainly when I work in businesses who have global, you know, offices in different different countries. You know, I always say to them, just because you know what you're saying doesn't mean that that other person understands it in the same way. So having a bit of perspective and putting yourself in someone else's shoes, um, certainly in a, in a cultural situation, is, is really critical. 
And then, you know, working in, you know, different departments, again, we did allude to it before about, you know, having the sort of foresight to think that, you know, we don't know exactly what's going on for the other person. Don't make an assumption. Let's let's have start those conversations. If we don't know what's going on, let's check in. Because I think there is too much reliance on assuming we know what the other person is thinking or, or, or doing. You're a parent and a spouse. Do these concepts apply at home? Maybe it's a disagreement with the partner or spouse around work-life conflicts, or, or maybe it's just with the grandchild. Um, how, how have you been able to practice all of this in your personal life? As I said to you before, you know, I'm a work in progress, so, you know, and human. But, um, you know, just a couple of things, really. You know, when you're a blended family, you know, there are so many different scenarios that uh, mm-hmm. you have to think. For example, when, when you know, the new family all came together, yeah. perspective and experience, you know, what we thought was, you know, going to be the right way forward. Actually, we have to accept that what someone else's or the kid's perspective was very different. You know, our intention for what we wanted wasn't, you know, what they wanted at the time. So being aware of that, you know, blended families, I, I understand is, is a, a big source of conflict. There's always been a joke in my house, you know, with my my three boys growing up, you know, whenever there was a, a difficulty with them. I've got twin boys. The older boys are twins. And it was always, you know, call the mediator, bring her in, let's ask her her opinion. Uh, <laughs> you know, so, you know, again, it's about having the conversation and not being scared to have a conversation. You know, let's not brush things aside. Let's bring everything, be open and honest and bring things out onto the table and talk and, and talk because um, unless we have those honest conversations, you know, nothing, things don't get sorted. You know, they, they just, as we said before, they just build up and get worse. So, yeah, you know, I think that um, I've learned the power of the pause as well to sleep on things, don't jump in. Um, and, you know, my four greatest uh, tools that we, have, of course, have touched on are curiosity, empathy, listening and relationships. And just remember that, you know, stepping up now and having that difficult conversation now might be uncomfortable, but it's going to be far more uncomfortable if you leave it, far more torturous to deal with afterwards. So don't make avoidance a choice action, you know, step in and have that conversation. And once it's all done and dusted, you can breathe. (laughs) You mentioned being a mediator. Do you prefer being the mediator between two parties to conflict or is it easier to be one of the parties to part, one of the parties involved in the conflict? Definitely easier to be the mediator. Definitely. (laughs) For sure. As we get ready to wrap up, Nicole, I just like to take us back to the title of your book and breathe. Maybe ask you to share with our listeners any final thoughts or even a challenge for putting uh, these things into practice in their most difficult conversations. I think I just, I go back to the point I just made, don't be afraid to have those conversations, you know, from the years of I've been doing this, the fear behind it, you know, if you can recognize that fear, that is your your biggest asset, actually, because as I said, if you don't have the conversation, nothing's going to change. 
a lot of people see conflict as a negative. I see conflict as a positive. Yeah. It's an op- opportunity for change, not challenge. And if you if you change your mindset to it, this is an opportunity for good things to come from this rather than it being, you know, a real awful experience. Yeah, it might be uncomfortable to go through it, but it's an opportunity for change. And I think that's how a difficult conversation should be viewed. Thank you for that. I, I, I like, I can appreciate that perspective, right? That it's an opportunity. If I had a takeaway, so many good notes here, I would say you're kind of the map piece, managing that mindset, as well as being clear on what I'm trying to achieve and, and you know, having a plan and, and preparing well, allows us maybe to lean into conflict, as you're indicating, embrace it, because yeah. it doesn't feel like it's going to disappear, it's going to be present. Uh, what we do with it really matters. So exactly. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks for your insights. Thanks for joining us today. Great chat. Thank you both. Yep. Thanks, Nicole. And this is a podcast that's all about elevating your influence through purposeful negotiations. Nicole definitely helped us do that today. So thank you again, Nicole. If you haven't already, please rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. And we'll see you in the next episode. Thank you for listening to Negotiate X Radio, helping you elevate your influence through purposeful negotiations. If you're here looking to learn about how to become a better negotiator in both business and life, then you're in the right place. Be sure to join the others who have benefited from NegotiateX.com, your home for negotiations training and consulting online.